All right, happy Tuesday, November the 24th. Last night was a meeting for those on the Kamloops Thompson School Board, and as is tradition for me, following each board meeting, I get the privilege of speaking with the chair of the board, and Rhonda Kershaw joins me on the line now. Rhonda, how are you doing here today? I'm doing excellent, Jess. How are you? I am doing all right. Thank you so much for asking. Okay, so I want to get off, uh, you know, when we're talking about last night's board meeting, the main conversation or one of the major conversations that was had was in relation to COVID-19 exposure. And it comes on the heels of an exposure event that occurred at NorCam Secondary. Now, it took several days, you know, before word got out to the media. I also heard Trustee O'Fee yesterday uh, talking about concerns. I believe it was in Williams Lake where there was a recent exposure event and a parent said they weren't aware until their child informed them of the exposure event a day or two later. Um, so obviously there was some concern there, but coming back here to Kamloops, I guess, is there any concern about the process for informing parents when there is an exposure event that occurs and making sure that that message gets delivered to the wider community as well? You know, I can't speak to what's happening in other districts, but I think that what we heard tonight is we are confident in our process. Um, you know, we actually, we don't lead a lot of the process. Um, mm-hmm. The Interior Health does, the Public Health Office does, but um we have a very robust communication system with our parents and as soon as we're able to um, let them know which is which is actually defined by interior health we absolutely will let parents know and uh, i think we're confident in that so 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 happy with the way things went in terms of informing everybody in specific to that norcam event and and i guess were there any lessons that might have been learned because that obviously was the first event that we've had to deal with here in our district Uh, i think that one of the lessons that we learned that we heard about last night was just making sure that our frontline staff that are answering the phones um have the information and and know what they're allowed to to inform the public of because of course you know we have a lot of um privacy mm-hmm. that we have to maintain and so that's that's the one lesson learned is we had lots and lots of phone calls on those first days of school wondering what was happening and that that is our one lesson learned one sure. yeah and one thing and i think it's it's probably safe to assume that well i mean fingers crossed that we don't have to deal with any more of these types of events but i believe it was kind of pretty well agreed upon throughout uh yesterday's meeting by pretty much all members of the board that you know an exposure event that's probably not going to be the only one here in school district 73 and there's there's likely going to be more absolutely i mean we hope that there's no more absolutely we hope that this you know this virus we as a general population we get it under control very quickly but the reality is is that we're coming into winter when all viruses are becoming more active we're inside more um having said that you know we have very strict protocols in place to try and maintain it and and keep our students as safe as possible so we expect that we likely will have to deal with more we hope not to how have uh, plans kind of adopted or changed at all in the, in the last little while? Just because I'm asking, we've seen, I know uh, the BCTF has been kind of hammering home the point that they would like to see masks being made mandatory in schools. We now have the public health officer, Dr. Bonnie Henry, coming out and say masks are mandated in all indoor public spaces. Uh, you know, has there been any change from the school board level in, in uh, some of the protocols that are in place over these last number of weeks as we've, things, as we've seen things change and shift and, and really, you know, caseloads continuing to increase province-wide? Uh, there hasn't been changes. I think that um, what sometimes gets missed in the messaging is that in common areas in our middle and high schools, masks have actually been required since uh, school students went back in September. So 
when they're at their desks seated with their cohorts, masks are not required. That's actually not different than the new mm-hmm. public health orders that, you know, when you're at work and seated at your desk, you don't have to wear a mask, but you certainly do in the break room. It's the same for students, and it's actually been that way since September. I think that there is more awareness. You know, we heard last night from a student presentation that they are, um, you know, they're, they're being constantly reminded and enforcing that mask use. And so I think as cases increase, we see more uh, emphasis given to making sure that those protocols are being followed. But um, they actually haven't changed. Okay, fair enough. And and uh, yeah, I was just curious because that was one of the things that I did take away from that student presentation is that they seem very happy with the way things are being enforced within the schools. But there was a couple of things they talked about that could potentially be increased or enhanced. One of the things I know they talked about more locker space, right, to be able to deal with things when when people are bringing coats and and boots and stuff into the classroom. I guess do, do you anticipate seeing anything um, move at all? Is, is the needle going to move at all as a result of going? into winter or do you think you know the way things have been going is just going to kind of continue here uh, for the foreseeable future i'm not sure if the needle will move um on, on lockers but you know we certainly we have that student voice to listen to that student voice so it will certainly be discussed and the pros and cons of you know what um what we could do to accommodate that the other part of what we heard from the students last night that i found was really interesting was that they want more as- education on why masks? What makes them effective? How to use them properly? So that I definitely can see, um, you know, making making readily available. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure that's something a lot of people could use, not just in a school setting, but I know I talked to a lot of people who could probably use a little more education around that. Uh, one more question on on COVID-19 specifically as it relates to schools, but you guys, uh, you know, a number of board members mentioned this several times throughout the course of the meeting, and that was, you know, we are seeing case counts increase province-wide. Uh, we have seen exposure events now here, not only in SD73, but, you know, in a number of, of different districts throughout the province. But at the same point in time, it was noted several times that schools do continue to be a safe place for students. What, uh, you know, kind of gives you that confidence? What is it about the statistics that we're seeing that allows, you know, the the board here at at School District 73 to say, being in school, it's a safe place for kids to be? Well, I think that the, the big thing is that we have protocols in place. You know, our students are, they're, they're, they're very, it's not an unstructured setting. You know, there is a little bit of unstructure, and, and we heard this uh, when they're waiting for the buses after school, and we'll have to work on that. But but for the most part, schools are very structured. Students come in, they follow the rules, they are um, in, their, in their spaces when they need to be. You know, of the, and, and these numbers are, are older, but of the... Um, over 24,000 cases in the province as of last Thursday, there was 549 exposures in schools, but only 12 transmissions in schools. So those protocols that are in place are working. Um, you know, if there's a transmission, it's generally because of a, a protocol that's, that's broken down and we need to, to reinforce that protocol. Um, and that's province-wide. Those numbers, that's not in our district, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so students, you know, most transmission is taking place in homes where they're having unstructured time and they're they're spending time together without their masks 
um, you know, in close contact. That's where it's happening. It's not actually happening in school for the most part. Yeah, so I, I, that's the point that was made, and I just wanted it to be reiterated here. So thank you for that. And, and yeah, it is an important thing for people to, to look at, right? When they're thinking about the numbers, uh, you know, when you when you see the uh, a number of kids that are going into a, a school building at one time, it feels like, you know, there's that possibility for some, some quick transmission to occur, but we're just not really seeing that very much, and that's a very positive thing. So I just wanted to get that point reiterated here today. Uh, one more topic, and that was the school site acquisition charge, and we we talked about uh, this a couple of weeks ago on exactly what it is. So that conversation continued last night. Uh, so the school board has identified two new school sites being needed in the Aberdeen neighborhood uh, based on current land values in that area. It's estimated that the two new school sites would cost about 7.2 or almost $7.3 million. So maybe just we'll reiterate first because maybe not everyone remembers exactly what the uh, acquisition charge is, but how is the school going to go about or has the school board going to go about getting that 7.3 million in order to be able to acquire land to build a couple of new schools in Aberdeen. So first off, um, we would never be able to collect that much based on this charge. Uh, this charge is a very minimal fee that's placed on a new development. So if a lot is developed, uh, it's, it's like a development cost charge. So there'll be uh, for a single family home, $288 uh, added to the cost of the lot. That then gets forwarded to the city, which gets forwarded to the school district and put into a account that we hold in trust for uh, purchasing future school sites. And so those school sites, um, when we get approval from the province, so this is actually another piece of it, we would still have to have approval from the Ministry of Education to purchase a school site. Mm -hmm. uh, those funds would be given as a contribution. Any time frame on, on when uh, the school board is looking to acquire that land, or is that still something that needs to be worked out? No. What would happen next is once we have this charge in place, we would then add those sites to our capital plan. Uh, our capital plan has a number of asks on it, as mm -hmm. we could have a whole conversation about. <laughs> but um, when they were approved as part of our capital plan, then we would purchase them. So we could be looking at any time from you know, next year to 10 years from now. Okay. Well, I know uh, the budget is something that's coming down soon, and I'm sure the capital plan is part of that, if I'm not mistaken, and we can have that conversation at that point, because that, uh, that will probably be a little bit of a longer chat. So uh, we'll save it for that. We'll save it for that. <laughs> Rhonda, thank you so much for the time. And I guess anything else that you want to add here while I do have you on the line? Uh, no, I think that's all for today. You know, we, we talked a lot about COVID. That's sort of our our big thing today. Yes, yes. It's the big thing every day, unfortunately. But uh, thank you so much for the time, Rhonda. Appreciate this. And uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much, Jeff. All right. That was Rhonda Kershaw, chair of the board for School District 73.